Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Martha Graham once said, You are unique. And if that is not fulfilled, then something has been lost. Welcome to Christian Questions. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. You might say that ours is a long-term approach as we've been broadcasting the good news of the gospel for over 19 years. I'm Jonathan, and that long-term different perspective has its basis in three things, godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Rick, today is our 985th broadcast, and we've talked the gospel with listeners on several talk radio stations throughout the eastern and central United States for many years. And we figured it was time to bring the good news to the whole world by way of podcasting, so here we are. We thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we look forward to to your thoughts via email, website messages, Facebook, our chat board, and many other ways. So, Jonathan, let's get started. What's happening? What's going on? What are we talking about tonight? Well, Rick, our question is, how do I defeat my worst enemy? Me. At least it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) And our theme text is found in Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? So, Jonathan, in many ways, we are in a daily fight of our lives. There are so many choices that present themselves to us each and every day, many of which can distract and derail us from what is most important. The biggest factor that determines whether we stay on track with life or go down some rabbit hole of distraction and disruption is simply me. Yep, I'm the decision maker the gatekeeper of my own mind and body, and I alone have final say as to what kind of victory or what kind of defeat I will experience. Now, now wait a minute, Rick. As Christians, shouldn't we be subject to the will of God through Christ? Well, absolutely, absolutely. Then, so why am I saying that I'm in control? Well, it's simple. It's simple. I decide how much influence the will of God will exercise in my life at any given moment, and that makes me my worst enemy. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Right, now what do we do, right? Exactly. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We learn how to identify, fight, and win the battle. That's what we do. And Jonathan, today's podcast is exactly about that. How do we defeat our worst enemy? And that would be us. So as we get started, I just want to remind our our listeners, it's always our objective with each subject we choose to approach it in a biblical and very relevant and practical way. We search out the original context of the scriptures that we cite, we try and find their true meaning, and combine those scriptures with pressing issues of our day to give you something to really, really think about. So again, the question for today, how do I defeat my worst enemy? Me! And every time I say that, I cringe. (laughs) Because you can't, yep. you can't hide. You just can't hide. 
So l- let's get started, Jonathan, with this uh, by going to a soundbite. We're going to just jump right into some sound, some sound bites. We've got uh, quite a few for you today uh, from Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. Uh, she is a psychologist, and she wrote an article, Six Reasons We Self-Sabotage. And really, really, really practical. So we're going to take these six reasons and go through them as we go through our podcast today. So the first thing she's going to do is define the whole mess of self-sabotage. Why do I do this to myself? If you have uttered that phrase, you may be an unwitting victim of your own bad habits. Call it getting in your own way. Call it self-defeating behavior. Whatever you call it. If you have a goal you can make sure it doesn't happen with self-sabotage. Now, self-sabotage is any action that gets in the way of achieving your goals. There are a million ways we self-sabotage, but some of the most common are procrastination, self-medication with drugs or alcohol, stress eating, and interpersonal conflict. And actions like these are especially insidious because they're relatively small. It's just one argument, one trip to the fridge, one beer, and in the moment, they may even seem helpful. But like a river eroding away rocks, over time, self-sabotage creates a grand canyon of self-defeat from which it's hard to climb out. Great. That's a great description. A grand canyon of self-defeat. Not a pretty picture. No, it's not. I mean, the Grand Canyon is a beautiful picture. But when it's a self-sabotage Grand Canyon, it is not a pretty picture. And we really do need to be very, very aware and careful about how all of this works. So, Jonathan, as we're going to go through the points that uh, Dr. Ellen Hedrickson brings and the scriptures and so forth, we're also going to use chapter titles from a small book called Seven Choices for Success and Significance by Nito R. Quibin. You can find this book at simpletruths.com, www.simpletruths.com. And and Jonathan, I will tell you that I have bought, I don't know, 30 titles from this little website, and they're they're great, great inspirational little books, and I buy them so I can give them away. That's And I've been doing this for many, many years. And this is one of those books that just grabs you. So all we're using from the book, I'm going to tell a small story from the book later on, but we're using the titles of the chapters because the book is about seven choices for success and significance. And there's no better way to beat self-sabotage than to make the choice towards success and significance. So the question is, you know, how are we going to do that? And Rick, Christian Questions is pleased to announce the opening of our new chat room on our website, available during our live broadcast. Simply go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live for the live audio and chat room. Chat with fellow listeners around the world, and we may even include your comments on air. All right, so if you're listening via another another direction right now and you'd like to get involved in that chat room, christianquestions.com, click Listen Live, and the chat room will be right there, right below the, the audio. So let's get started, Jonathan. Our first point, our first point, again, the chapter title from Seven Choices for Success and Significance is Choose Transformational Patterns. Okay, choose transformational patterns. And a lot of this is going to be about making choices. Even though we may live with fear, do we want to change? And, and Jonathan, even before we go, go any further, um, fear is probably a constant companion for almost all of us. It really is. 
so living with fear makes change all that all the more difficult and makes self-sabotage all the more easy. We have to look at how to confront those things and do something different uh, with our with our 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 lives and our our choices. So our first self-sabotage problem, Jonathan, is what? I am too broken to have any real success. Okay. I'm I I just can't do it. I am not inherently capable because of whatever it is that is broken within me to have any real success. So what good is trying? That is a basic insidious self-sabotage. So let's get into um and it's going to be it might be a little confusing. We're going to these these seven chapter titles, and but then there's six points of, uh, of why we self sabotage by Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. The numbers will confuse you, but just stay with us. When we talk about Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, she's telling us why we do it, and the seven points are showing us how to avoid it. Okay. Excellent. So the first reason why we self sabotage, and we're going to go back to a soundbite for this, has to do with our self worth. Let's listen. So, why indeed do we do this to ourselves? Well, here are six big reasons. Reason number one is worth. You feel like you don't deserve to be successful. Ironically, many strivers work hard and aim high because they're trying to make up for a sense of inadequacy. But when their hard work and high standards lead to good things, material reward, status, or power, they shoot themselves in the foot. Why? Well, a little concept called cognitive dissonance gives us the answer. Basically, people like to be consistent, and usually our actions line up with our beliefs and values. But when they don't, we get uncomfortable and try to line them up again. That's why if we start to stack up some achievements, but think we're worthless, incapable, or fill-in-the-blank deficient, we pull the plug to get rid of the dissonance. It feels bad to fail, but not as bad as it does to succeed. And doesn't that sound strange? It does. <laughs> but cognitive dissonance is, is a psychological phenomenon that is absolutely real, absolutely true. And we do have to understand that we have an equilibrium within ourselves. And it may not be a good equilibrium, but it keeps us feeling secure. Not necessarily feeling balanced, not necessarily feeling happy, but secure. So in that mess of our lives, we don't want to upset that feeling of security. So we can be secure in our misery, Rick? Yes, we can. <laughs> well <Great>. put. <laughs> so, so let's get to some scriptural uh, viewpoints on the idea of our self-worth getting in our own way. This next scripture is going to be about uh, Jesus calling the Apostle Peter. Now, this is the third time that Jesus has drawn Peter to him. And this is the time that Peter actually finally completely leaves his past life and goes to follow Jesus. So we're going to go through Luke chapter 5, verses 2 through 11, and we'll, just, we'll break it up just a little bit. And Jesus saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began to teach the people from the boat. So Jesus was already trusted and admired by Simon Peter and his brethren. And when he wanted to use the boat as a tool for teaching, they were like, yeah, absolutely sure, because they looked at him with great admiration already. So Jesus uses Simon's boat. Okay, then what happens? When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, 
Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. If anyone else had made that suggestion to Simon, he would have said, look, I'm a fisherman. I know when there's no fish today, okay? So don't bother me. But because Jesus says it, he says, okay, been through this already, but if you say so, I'll do it. What's next? When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So Jesus' invitation was too powerful to ignore. So Simon packed his sinful self up and he followed Jesus. Well, Rick, we all come to that realization when we're being called realizing we're sinful and we need the merit of Jesus' sacrifice to make, make us acceptable at all to God. Um, but, but humility, I'm thinking we need a discussion about humility because isn't it good to think lowly of yourself um, sometimes? Um, because isn't that what we're supposed to do as a Christian? Yeah. yeah. Be humble? Yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's a really good point, especially here. But here's the problem with humility taken too far to the point of sabotaging ourselves. What Peter said, or Simon, because he's Simon at this point, says to Jesus, he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, you think about it. Jesus knew more about the sinfulness of Simon Peter than Simon Peter knew himself. And he, he stated a fact. Right. Right. He said, I'm a sinful man, but he was using it to cloak him, to protect himself from being exposed because he saw the goodness of Jesus. So the humility went way overboard to the point of saying, I don't know, I don't think I should follow you, Jesus. Even though you told me to come follow you, I don't think I should. That's the wrong kind of humility. The right kind of humility is what he actually did. They came to shore, he, he, he left everything, and he followed Jesus. So you're right. Humility has got to be packaged correctly to not take us out of the running, so to speak, but to help us understand who we are so that we can run more fully and more clearly. And we're going to get into that and with a lot of the details of the self-sabotage conversation coming up. But a good point on that. But it's so easy for us folks to take our self-worth, our measurement of our, our own measurement of our self-worth and use it as an excuse to say, I just can't. Like a crutch. Right. Exactly. And that's sabotaging whatever the potential is that God can see in us. Let's go back to the um, six reasons we self-sabotage uh, with Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. Now, she's going to give us six reasons. I'm, I jumped to the end of the, the sound bites here to get sort of a conclusion from her to start out with because I thought it would be important for us to listen to that. So this is kind of summing up the idea what the roof, root of self-sabotage is. Okay. How to stop sawing off the tree limb you're sitting on? Well, let's look down lower to the proverbial root. However your self-sabotage manifests, strike it at the root, which is this, fear of failure. Now, I get a lot of raised eyebrows when I say that. Most people think of self-sabotage as fear of success. But deep down, fear of success isn't truly a fear of making it big. It's a fear of trying one's best and not succeeding. 
of being publicly humiliated as we worry, in the immortal words of Wham, that our best isn't good enough. It's enough to make us take refuge in spiralizer infomercials on YouTube. <laughs> so the idea is, she says, fear of failure is at the root of it all. So we're going to use that as a kind of a theme as we go through this. But so, you know, we talked about self-sabotage. I'm too broken to have any real success. What's the solution for that self-sabotage, Jonathan? Well, Rick, see your transformation through the sacrifice of Jesus and the eyes of God. He sees what you are. He will seize what you are and see it through to his glory if you let him. The point is God sees it already. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. See, that looks, Jonathan, exactly like how we see ourselves. Oh, I don't have any worth. Remember the self-sabotage, I'm too broken to have any real success. And God, is dis- it's being described to us how broken we are. And, it's a- and that's what God chooses. Why? Verse 29. So that no man may boast before God. Okay, and you had a quick comment here because we're a little I did. shy I, I time. gained great solace from this verse. If God can do this great work within me, that's developing Christ-likeness, he certainly can turn the hearts of mankind back to him in the kingdom. Absolutely, and, and that's the point. God sees it, and he will seize it it's because he will bring us to a better, better place. God's eyes are trained on different things in the eyes of men. Whose observations are we going to trust, our own or God's? So look, it's a powerful lesson to know that God sees us as we okay. are. Okay, how and, to stop sawing off. And like I said, God sees us as we are, and he knows how to help us change. A great lesson and a great relief. It's great to choose change in my life, but what if I just don't have the energy to make it happen? If you disagree with some of Rick and Jonathan's viewpoints, no matter your beliefs, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com or through our app by searching for Christian Questions in your app store. Our producers are feeding us your awesome comments and questions every week, so keep them coming. In this next CQ chapter, we're going 3D. Three viewpoints. Christian, secular, and neutral. So, Jonathan, the point about energy is really an important question because if we're honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge that we really are broken and defective before God. Choosing to transform is a great beginning, and it has to be followed up with actions that we, in our present broken state, can actually handle. Actions we can handle. And this can be really, really scary. It can be very, very difficult. This is not easy to do. So the idea is, okay, what if? What if I just don't have the energy to make it happen? What do I do? How do I do it? Because I, I don't have, you know, I'm not the energizer bunny, okay? So, <laughs> so, so let, let's, uh, we're going to go to another, another soundbite um, from a, a different source, and we just need to set a little bit of background. So Jonathan, why don't you do that for us? The following is a powerful story of self-sabotage. In her TED Talk, Beth Clayton has revealed how she learned to sabotage herself at nine years old as a result of attending a dance class that ended in her utter humiliation and failure. Since then, her nine-year-old self 
has been protecting her from the possibilities of further humiliation. So that means that her nine-year-old self has been protecting her from opportunities that she could involve herself in because the, the thought of humiliation, the thought of self, her, her, her small self-worth was just overwhelming. So here she is, a, an adult now, and let's just drop in on a part of her story. Years later, a new dream was born, and I found myself on the path of a health coach. And I was like loving it. And I was feeling empowered and, and my business was opportunities were opening up for me. And I started engaging in the oddest behavior. I started smoking again, <laughs> which I hadn't done in years. And I mean, this might seem like a small thing, but because I was a health coach, <laughs> this just played into my saboteur's hands beautifully as she reminded me who I really was. And what would happen if people saw that? And luckily, luckily, I recognized this was happening and I ran to my mentor to try to figure out how to stop it. And I said, listen, there is this part of myself and I can't stand her. She, she tries to destroy everything. How do I kill her? And she looked at me and she just started laughing. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, she's not going anywhere. <laughs> she is here for good. That, she said, is the part of you that needs your love and acceptance the most. And she is not shutting up until she gets it. Powerful, powerful story. And, and you know, it, it's, it's funny to be able to look, at, look back at her, her life with her and laugh. You know, I'm a health coach and now, now I'm smoking. What the heck? What have I done? But, you know, that, look, that's what we do to ourselves. We, we trap ourselves, and then we prove to ourselves that we couldn't have done it anyway. What a sad state of affairs that is. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us both on Instagram and Twitter. We have lots of exciting things happening, including, Rick, Trivia Tuesday featuring a not very well-known fact about the Bible. Right. We also have Thankful Thursday, which has a different post each week about something that we are thankful for, and we look forward to hearing from you about what you are most thankful for. And to top it off, Rick, we have Flashback Friday, highlights of previous Christian Question programs from the archives that you may have missed. So social media is alive and well at Christian Questions. We really want to encourage you to uh, get involved with that and uh, let us know what you think. So back to our smoking health coach, back to that nine-year-old self that just took her and, and, and everything she tried got in her way as a way of protecting her from potential failure. That's really what it boiled down to. So we, we started this segment with the question about, well, what happens if you don't have enough the, the energy? So point number two, chapter two from that book, um, uh, uh, Seven Choices for Success and Significance. The title for chapter two is what? Choose energy management over time management. Okay. Look, we all work differently and have different reserves. Let's focus on how we can live while we appreciate what others can do. These are two separate things. And Jonathan, when we sabotage ourselves, we mix the two up. We look at how we can live in light of what others can do, and we say, oh, I'm useless. I, I, I've got nothing to offer. I just, I just. So, so what, what, what's the self-sabotage here? Well, Rick, it's, I am simply not capable of doing that. And we've got to look at, okay, what is that? And why? And maybe we're not capable. And so we've created a no-win situation. 
So we get to stay in that comfortable little place that is so full of discontent and discouragement and disappointment. And that's how we self-sabotage. Let's go to the second reason for self-sabotaging. Now, remember the first one from Dr. Ellen Hendrickson was uh, worth, our self-worth. The second reason uh, that we self-sabotage has to do with control. Reason number two is control. It feels better to control your own failure than to let it blindside you. When the possibility of failure is too hot to handle, you take matters into your own hands. Self-sabotage isn't pretty, but it's a dignified alternative to spinning out of control. At least when you're at the helm, going down in flames feels more like a well-controlled burn. (laughs) Right. But you still (laughs) go down in flames. You do. (laughs) So we, we want to be in control. And so we find a way to sabotage our growth, our next step, our next ability to, to mature, if you will, especially as a Christian in Christ, because we're losing control. We, we've got to do something. We've got to learn how to manage those things. When we read of the efforts displayed in the next scripture, we can easily be discouraged to the point of self-defeat because we can't live up to such a high standard. We're going to read some things about the Apostle Paul and Jonathan. Whenever I read these, honestly, I do. I nod my head in disbelief saying, I would fold. I couldn't do it. I'm just, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to, to manage, not, not, not a tenth of what, what's written here. So again, several verses here. We're going to break them up. 2 Corinthians 11, 28 to 29. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. So first thing, before he gets into any of the really wild things, Paul's background was, in the eyes of men, a very laudable background. You look at it and you want to clap, like, wow, what a great guy, what an accomplished Jewish man he was. My background isn't so great. I mean, you look at my background, it's like, yeah, well, what have you accomplished? So and you look at that and say, okay, if that's why God called us, because of our background, I'm doomed. You know, we've got that, that we do that comparison thing and we say, oh, well, I I don't have the same, I I just don't have that background. You know, what what good am I? But that paralyzes us so we don't move forward. Right, right. And that's just the beginning here. Now let's get into some of the things that Paul experienced. Again, now we're in 2 Corinthians 11. Let's go to verses 23 through 26. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, Dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. So you listen to that and you think about, if you look at that and you try to stretch that out even over over several years, you're still seeing somebody who is constantly having to be looking over his shoulder, constantly looking around at his environment, constantly... In, in under threat of 
torment and torture. And you think, how can, how can any of us look at that and say, oh, yeah, okay, that's what, God, that's what God calls us to as Christians? Forget it. I can't do that. You know, you look at that, Jonathan, and you cower. I mean, I do. Me too, for sure. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I say to the Lord, I try to say in the, in the best way possible, dear Lord, you know what I'm made of. And you know, if you put me in that position, you know I would fold. So please be merciful. <laughs> because you look at that and you say, how could he be so strong for so long and so consistent no matter what? And he his- was the right man for the job, right? Right, right. Right. And, 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 you know, and that's the problem with this is the self-sabotage statement you, you, you mentioned before is, I'm simple, simply not capable of doing that. Well, I agree. I'm not capable of doing that. Paul's persecutions and suffering for Christ were absolutely breathtaking. Mine are not. You know, yeah, we've had trials. Uh, you have trials, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I have trials. Um, yes, you do. So now, do you want to put those trials next to the trials of the Apostle Paul and, and try to measure them? <laughs> no. I don't. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I don't. You know, so and you say, okay, when you look at the depth and the difficulty of the trials, is that why God calls us? Because if it is, why bother? Because I can't do that. You, you see the self-sabotage? You look at mm. this incredible example and you find reasons why you can't, why it's not even worth trying. And he continues, I mean, as, as if this isn't enough, he continues, verses 27 through 29 of Second Corinthians 11. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who was weak without being weak? Who was led into sin? without being intense, without my intense concern. So he's saying not only are the external things there to, to plague me, to follow me, to, to try and slow me down, but then there's the daily pressure of the concern for the brethren because he took it as his personal responsibility to help them, to upbuild them, to witness to them, to establish the groups that became the churches. Remember, the church is not a building, it's the people that became the churches and to feed them and to, to, to help them to come to maturity in Christ. And he was concerned about wolves in sheep's clothing right. ruining what he had started. Right, right. So he has all this pressure. So when you look at Paul's heart and his focus for Christ, you see they were like laser beams. My focus isn't like that. If that's why God calls us because of our laser beam focus, you're going to have to count me out because I can't do that. So self-sabotage looks at that example and says, forget it. Who do you think you are trying to be a footstep follower of Christ? Come on, get real. You can't do that. And, and, and Jonathan, that's an effective tool of Satan. It is. So now, before we get to the solution for that, let's go to another of the six reasons for self-sabotage. This is Dr. Ellen Hedrickson. And remember, the first uh, two reasons were worth and control. Now we're going to get to the third reason that she lists out of her six for self-sabotage. Reason number three is perceived fraudulence. Now, as the stakes get higher and higher, you ascend to ever more rarefied levels of education, take on more responsibility at work, or do something that raises your public profile, you feel you only have farther to fall. You think if you call attention to yourself by being successful, it'll be more likely that you're called out as a fraud. 
This is otherwise known as good old imposter syndrome. So how does this manifest? Well, you may do as little as possible and hope no one notices. Or you may push hard and go big, but worry you'll be revealed at any moment. Either way, feeling like a fake is a one-way ticket to procrastination. If you're faced with a task that makes you feel like a big fat fraud, it's a lot more appealing to check Twitter, research zucchini spiralizers, or realize you've never made banana bread from scratch and by gosh, seize the day and do that right now. <laughs> I'd like to meet this woman. She's, she's really got some character to her. But you know, the idea of perceived fraudulence, the idea is I'm going to be exposed because I don't have that kind of level of, 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 of dedication or a focus or a passion. I just, I'm just not up to that. You know, we can so easily give up and give in unless we actually see Unless we actually see what role we are being called to play. Now, folks, listen carefully to this because this solution is absolutely critical. The self-sabotage problem was I'm simply not capable of doing that. What's the solution for that? Or Rick, it's I can, by the grace of God, do this. Okay. What is this? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 22 to 26. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. So it's talking about those who are weaker. And Jonathan, I want to throw in here, those who don't have the same amount of energy, don't, those who don't have that inherent passion in their, in their character, that, that, that are not the spokespeople, that are not the ones out in front, that are not the ones that are charging. And there's many, many, many of us who are like that. We just don't have it in us to be that. And what this... Well, we, we all have different talents and abilities, and that's a good thing. Right, and it's saying that those that are not out in front are much more honorable. They are special in their ability to participate and to contribute. So we're not capable of doing that, but we Which can... Which was the Apostle Paul's thing. Right, but we can do this. And again, let's go back to the verse, uh, finishing up verse 24 through 26 of 1 Corinthians 12. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So there is an equality within the body, whether the member, the, the, the body part, if you will, has the most honor or the least honor, it doesn't matter. There is no worry. There is no matter because of that. And that's a beautiful thing. That is a, that, that is a rescuing idea from self-sabotage, that we are not called to be just like the Apostle Paul. We're just called to follow Jesus in the way that we can follow Jesus. Because the fact of the matter here, Jonathan, is God never calls us to the impossible. He doesn't realize that he does call us to that which we, by grace, can do. He knows you already. He will call you to what you can do, not what somebody else did or is doing or will do. So even if we are low-energy people, we can still focus what we have and it's the same for all of us 
We focus our energy on being transformed. Does this get us out of our self-sabotaging pattern? Before we turn the page, we wanted to tell you about CQ Rewind. It's a free weekly service provided by our great team of contributors who help the guys prepare for each episode. It's an in-depth look at their research, scripture, and much more, showing you the map of Rick and Jonathan's content journey. Now let's continue finding out the better answers as we ask the better questions. So focusing the energy that we have on those things that would transform us is a great place to start. And, but we truly have to leave, uh, to, but to be able to truly leave self-sabotaging behavior behind, we need to be far more specific. Okay, this is a start, but we need to now get specific. Next comes the result of focus and transformation, and that is giving. That's the specific conclusion of this choosing the, the transformative ideas and then focusing whatever energy it is that we are born with, that we inherently have, into giving. As a Christian, there is no better way to express our genuine desire to be Christ-like than to give. I love that, Rick. And it's so important, and, and uh, we're going to get to it, but that's the, the title of the next chapter in this little book that we're referring to, the chapter titles, to help us through this idea of how do I defeat my worst enemy, who is me, in terms of my own self-sabotage. But first, let's go back to, remember Beth Clayton, she was the, the woman who at nine years old, you described having the, the dance class uh, debacle, uh, became a health coach and started smoking, <laughs> you know, just she, just, she just was off, she was... She was pulling herself down. So here in this next soundbite, she's going to be describing that nine-year-old protective self that she carried with her everywhere she went. But I started to see it. I did. I started to see that my saboteur and my nine-year-old were actually the same. That, that my saboteur was just the armored second skin of my most exposed, most freaked out little kid. And her job was a noble one. It was to do or say anything that was going to keep that nine-year-old out of the proverbial dance studio. And I had been trying to, like, overcome her and wrestle her. And all she was trying to do was just keep me from feeling like the smelly kid who was wearing the wrong clothes, who didn't know her right from her left. And I realized it wasn't my job to overcome her. It was my responsibility to understand her. That if I really wanted to get the plane off the ground, that I needed to invite her into the conversation about how to do so. Because any time, any time that I really want something, she's going to be right there. There's a profound wisdom in that, Jonathan, the idea that we, we, we argue with ourselves and we fight ourselves and we try to put that part of ourselves down. And what ends up happening, it just springs back up because it doesn't know how not to. So if we can begin to be able to look at and understand ourselves a little bit and, and understand the sabotaging part of ourselves, we can now work through it. But if you're just going to beat it down, it's going to come back and hit you even harder next time. That's the way it works. And folks, if you don't believe me, take a look back at your own life and look at the times that you've tried and not made it and be honest. Be honest, what did you do? And you said, this time I'm not going to listen to myself, all the complaints of my own mind. This time I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and I'm just going to do it. And then you just do it, and then you fall flat again. 
We have to find a way through that. So this next chapter is really simple, Jonathan. Chapter three is titled what? Choose to give. Simple. And it's such a Christianity-based principle. There is nothing more liberating than giving to others, for in so doing, we position ourselves to actually focus with sincerity on the needs of others. Now, you notice I didn't say that we, we put ourselves in the position to focus. We give ourselves the opportunity to do that. We don't necessarily take that opportunity, but it at least puts us in the place where we can have the opportunity to focus on others. So what, what's the self-sabotage issue for this particular uh, point of choosing to give? Well, Rick, when I give, it is useless. I really have nothing of value to give. I'm not talented. I'm not energetic. And I'm not creative. I'm not social. And I'm not a leader. Why even bother? So we can look at ourselves and we can say, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And don't even ask me about that. And don't get me started on this one. You know, and we say, so it's not even worth it. We, we have already decided the conclusion before the, the play even starts. Hey, I was told always as a kid, I'm shy. So I would not do anything other than be shy. Like I wouldn't be on, uh, on a podcast or anything like that. <laughs> How about you, Rick? Are you shy? Actually, Jonathan, I am. <laughs> I really am. And that's a that's sort of a strange weirdness about me because when I tell people that, they look at me like, oh, stop it, will you please? But it, I am, I have no fear of a large audience, none whatsoever. But put me in a one-on-one conversation and I want to hide. <laughs> I'm telling you. you know, I'm and, the same way. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have to understand that part of yourself to be able to get that part of yourself to be able to work with you. And it can work with you. And, 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 but it's difficult. But giving, giving is the best way to do it. Because when you give, the idea is to focus on somebody else. And there's nothing more refreshing than focusing on somebody else. Romans 7, verses 21 to 23. Um, great, great scriptures on this. About, about the sabotage principle. I'm sorry, go ahead. I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. See, when you read this, the Apostle Paul puts it out there. You know, what he's doing is he's taking the 21st century psychology and 2,000 years ago, he's explaining it to us he in, is. in Christian terms. And he's saying to us 2,000 years ago, look, there's a war that goes on in your head. There's the, and, and, and it's the spiritual part of you that it's at war with the physical part of you that is flawed and broken and discouraged and discontented and, and, and feeling like you, you can't measure up. Discouragement due to our weakness is so easy to find. And, oh, it is, Rick. And the Apostle Paul had the same issues. And the beautiful thing about this is he doesn't hold it back from us, but he shares it with us to give us an idea that, look, this is, this is how we sabotage ourselves. I can't. I'm not. I'm not creative. I'm not a leader. I'm not social. I'm not this. I'm not that. I have no energy. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. What's the solution? God already knew what I have to give, and he called me because of it. See, say that again. God already knew what I have to give. And he called me because of it. Understand 
whatever it is you see that is wrong in you, whatever truly is wrong with you, God knew. He knew before he called you. And because you had brokenness, he said, you, my child, I want. Because I see in you the ability to stand, to follow my will, and I see the potential that you have as that broken child to do something great. Now, potential doesn't develop just because God says you can do it. Potential develops through a lot of difficult, harsh trial and difficulty as we go through our experiences. So remember, God already knew what I have to give. He called me because of it. Mark 12, 41 to 44. A great example of the every reason in the book not to, but why we should. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty. She put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So it didn't matter that she didn't have a lot. What mattered is she gave what she could. And see, Jonathan, the point here, and, and, and to me, this is one of the, 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 the strongest, most powerful points in dealing with our self-sabotage. God's accounting is based on who we are and what we are and what we can do with our circumstances. That's what his accounting is based on. It's not on this equal level of, well, the Apostle Paul had this much passion. Jonathan, sorry, you're not good enough. Rick, sorry, you're not good enough. That's not how he does it. It's based on who we are, what we are, and what we can do with our circumstances. He measures abundance by the size of our heart and spiritual intentions and not by the grandiosity of our gift. So we have to understand that's how we can begin to avoid some self-sabotage here. Well, that's a relief, Rick. It is. It's a huge, huge relief. Jonathan, I want to pause here. We got a question from Trish. <clears throat> okay. Now. Okay. Here it comes. Gets practical right here. You know that I'm the poster child for this discussion. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I should be offended or not here. Um, but here's my question. All right. So if you're not talented... Um, and you're not energetic, and you're not creative, and you're not social, and you're not a leader, are you saying that that's okay, God's going to use whatever you are anyway? It, you don't have to be all those things? Exactly, precisely, unbelievably, 100% correct in every and any way you can possibly measure it. I don't know, can I be more clear? <laughs> because see, Jonathan, this is so important. My worst, Trish, thanks for the question. And the answer is yes, you got it. My worst enemy is me because I see my flaws and I neglect to look at my potential. God sees my flaws through the eyes of what my potential is and will guide us to experiences that can help us to get to that potential. So very powerful, important steps here in terms of defeating our worst enemy, which is ourselves. Our, the next reason from Dr. Ellen Hendrickson about the six reasons uh, that we self-sabotage um, 
is the reason of familiarity. So let's listen to this. Reason number four, familiarity. Again, people like to be consistent. Time and time again, we even choose consistency over happiness. If you're used to being neglected, abused, ignored, or exploited, it's oddly comforting to keep putting yourself in that position. You've probably been there your whole life, and while you're not happy, the devil you know is preferable to the devil you don't. So familiarity, it's too comfortable where we are. Even if where we are is really uncomfortable, it's still too comfortable, and we don't want to get rid of it. And so we end up living with it. And Jonathan, what a sad mistake if we are a Christian attempting to follow the will of God through Christ. You're right, Rick. So our next point, point number four, Rick, is choose to be authentic. Okay. I love that. So that's chapter, the, the title for chapter four from Seven Choices for Success and Significance, How to Live uh, Life from the Inside Out. Great little book, again, available at simpletruths.com. Choose to be authentic. And again, Jonathan, another very powerful point here. Who you are is not your past, but it is your present state of grace and forgiveness. That's who you are. Your past is simply how you got there. God knows the past. Who you are is your present state of grace and forgiveness. Okay, that's a great statement, but what's the self-sabotage reasoning and point here? I know the depths of my imperfect human nature. I can't get away from it. You're right. You can't. So you might as well use whatever you have of that imperfect human nature along to, to try and glorify God. So let's get back to the to actually our, our theme scripture for our podcast today, uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. And remember, the previous verses in Romans, Paul was saying that I'm having a war in my own mind with myself about myself. 7, 24 and 25 are next. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So he's saying there's two sides to this battle. On one hand, I myself with my mind, I'm serving the law of God. I really want to do that. And those of us who self-sabotage, I believe that we probably are in that category. We really want to do the will of God. We really want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, but we keep getting in our own way. We trip on our own feet because we don't allow ourselves to take those steps. So we've got to fight for that side. We are in an issue that is not going to go away in our lives. So if the, if the self-sabotage problem is, I know the depths of my imperfect human nature and I can't get away from it, what's the solution? Place your love of God through Christ in the forefront of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, so how do you get through that? You, it's a matter of what you are looking towards. Place your love of God through Christ in front of you, not behind you, not to the side, not in the book that's on the shelf, in front of you, okay? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. God commanded Israel to do this, and they had it right if they would have followed this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Listen to the specific ideas that God is giving them to apply to their lives and how to keep God first. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. Okay, so it talks about all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You know, and, and Jesus mentions loving God with all your mind when he, when he quotes the scripture in the New Testament. And it doesn't say that specifically, but the next verses are all about loving God with your mind. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Rick, um, the Jews take this really very literally, especially the conservative Jews. Binding a scroll of parchment upon their left hand is what they do. They also put flactories and they wear them on their foreheads and on their arms. Then on the door frame, the, the front door, there's a scroll of parchment and it's placed in this little holder for reminder of their faith when they go in and out of their house. Right. And, and there is a very literal application to this, but there's also a figurative application. Put the will and word of God in front of you wherever you go. So let me translate that for us, Jonathan. We need spiritual post-it notes. That's what we need. Because, you know, you use a post-it note, you put one on the refrigerator or on the door, on the, the dashboard of your car, or on your desk at your office or wherever to remind you of something. Well, load your life up with spiritual post-it notes that are, is always bringing you back to loving the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You know, it, it is deeply authentic to actively seek God in all of our ways, for it is Him who we serve. And to deal with the depths of our imperfect human nature, it's a matter of I need to refocus myself on that which is above. So, so far, we have lots of pieces to work with in our self-sabotage battle. We really do, Rick. Focused energy, transformation, giving, and authenticity. What does all of this do to self-sabotage? Sometimes our questions and commentary can get complicated. That's part of having a thorough discussion. We'd love to hear your opinion. Contact us now at ChristianQuestions.com. Comment through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our app. Just when you thought we may be figuring this out, let's get more complicated. You're right, Jonathan. There's a lot of pieces here. Focused energy, transformation, giving, and authenticity all bring us to a place of balance. When we're truly balanced, we're able to wrestle the steering wheel of our lives away from our own personal saboteur, and in my case, that would be me, and begin to drive our lives in accordance with with God's will. And the whole point, Jonathan, is to be able to take the wheel of our lives because unless we take it, we can't really hand it over to God through Christ. We have to have that, that, that desire within us to change what is to, and, and to look toward what actually can be. So very, very important here to look to the idea of living our lives with balance. So the, the name of the next chapter in our book uh, that we're, we're referencing, Seven Choices for Success and Significance, the chapter five is titled what? Choose to live life in balance, Pretty just simple. like you said. It's very simple. <laughs> this can be more difficult than it sounds because it's really easy. Now, pay attention here, folks. It's really easy to choose a life that looks balanced rather than a life that really is balanced. It's so much easier to choose one that looks balanced right that looks like 
everything is in order, but in fact there is chaos under the surface and a whole bunch of self-sabotaging activity going on under the surface. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about balance and, and the self-sabotage issue in a moment. I want to go back to Dr. Ellen Hedrickson um, on her six reasons we self-sabotage. And this is going to be reason number five. Now, first re- reason one was worth. Reason two was control. Reason three was perceived fraudulence. Reason four was familiarity. These are the reasons we self-sabotage. Reason five we self-sabotage, she says, is because it's a handy scapegoat. Let's listen. Reason number five for a handy scapegoat. If things don't work out, or when they don't work out, because that's the only option, right? We can blame the sabotage instead of ourselves. Of course he left me. We argued all the time. Of course I failed the class. I didn't start my term paper until the night before. These reasons, while true, are more superficial, and therefore easier to swallow than the deeper reasons we only believe to be true. Of course he left me. The real me is unlovable. Of course I failed the class. I'm incapable of understanding this stuff. Boy, she gets into some deep stuff here. And, and the point is that we all do this to ourselves, Jonathan. We all do this in one way or another. We all find ways to, to, to take the potential that God sees in us and to make it less and to try to prove that it's less because it's scary. It's a scary thing. Rick, there's so many details in our subject. Um, you need to go to see, uh, ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for Seek Your Rewind. All of these sound bites are typed out. You can read them to really not miss a thing. You don't want to miss any of these steps as you're trying to overcome yourself, right, your right. own worst enemy. ChristianQuestions.com, it's a free service, graphics, illustrations. It is worth signing up for. I might even suggest, I don't know if I should go this far, but you know, if you don't sign up for it and you think you should, maybe that's one of those self-sabotage things saying, oh, you know, I have a tool here that could really help me, but uh, I don't think I have time for it or something like that. Try it out. It's a free service. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe with a click of a button. Give it a shot. Okay. So Jonathan, we're talking about choose to live a life in balance. What's the self-sabotage issue here? Well, if I pretend to be balanced, I will look and feel good. And that's all I need. Okay. If I pretend to be balanced, hey, looks good. I'm good because I'm playing the part. I'm I'm acting in the role. And and, and Jonathan, that is a scriptural principle that existed throughout all of the scriptures. And that was an issue that really came to the forefront in Jesus' day with the Pharisees. Okay. So even though Israel had it right, we read from Deuteronomy 6 in the last segment, some of the uh, of Israel found a way to mess it up, you know, mess up the, the the instructions that God gave them by focusing on just looking the part. So let's go to another command in the Old Testament that says essentially the same things, and then let's go to what happened to to some of those who were taking those commands very literally. We we'll go to back to Deuteronomy eleven, uh, selected verses thirteen to twenty two. It shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments which I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. You you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. 
you shall teach them to your sons. So God tells Israel several times in the Old Testament, you have got to keep my word in front of you all the time. It's got to be in your hand. It's got to be on your head. It's got to be on your, 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 your fence post. And, and again, symbolically, we have to have God's will and God's word surrounding us constantly. The Pharisees in the time of Jesus uh, took these and other Old Testament verses and expanded them to their own detriment. What happened through generations, Jonathan, is they would say, okay, God commanded us to do this, so I'm going to do exactly what he said. And it started out that they did it literally. And then they said, you know what? I'm going to do it even better. I'm going to do it even better to show God how much I really, really am going to be following him. And so they would do it even further. And then they would broaden the, the borders of their robes and the, and the phylacteries would get bigger. And all of this stuff would, would, would grow out of proportion because they were focusing on what they looked like to others, not what they were before God. And what they became before God was an empty, empty sepulcher full of dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said. So let's, let's listen to a little bit of what Jesus says in reaction to this, Matthew 23, 1 to 7. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. Okay, so let, let's pause there. Jesus does say, look, Follow the law as they're telling it to you. That's a good thing. But he says, don't do what they do. Now, this is a powerful indictment to the idea of taking on the look of being balanced, but really being unbalanced on the inside. The Pharisees showed us exactly what that looked like, and Jesus plainly calls it out. And there's one word for it, Jonathan. It's hypocrisy. So when it comes to living a balanced life, folks, we cannot approach unto that hypocritical way of creating a life that looks really balanced, but really is not. Here's what Jesus says, verses 5 through 7 of Matthew 23. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respecting greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. And there's lots of things in there, but the point is, Jesus is saying, they are doing everything so people can look at them and say, wow, look at how holy they are. I could never be like that. And it was a personal pride issue. It was not a serving God issue. So what began as a way to remember God in all things became a way to forget God in all things. Oh, how sad. It is. It is. And, 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 but we can do that to ourselves. Oh, by, we can. You're right. By pretending to be that balanced Christian, by pretending to be something that we are not. Do we hide under the cloak of outward appearance only to later use it as proof of our unworthiness? Because, you know, you hide under that cloak and then it's exposed. You say, see, I told you I was worthless. And again, you take the potential that God sees in you and you step all over it because you set yourself up to fail. We don't have to do that, folks. We really don't have to do that. Let's go back to um, Beth Clayton. Remember, she's the one who was the, whose nine-year-old self is following her around, sabotaging everything she says and does to protect her, to protect her from humiliation again in her life. Um, and in this, in this particular soundbite, she's talking about what her nine-year-old self needs. And this will be the last soundbite from her story. 
But now, when I am hijacked by her past pain, when I want to crash the plane, I have new tools. I try to visualize her. And when I do, I mean, she's pissed off, she's angry, she's intimidating, but when I really see her, and when I breathe her in, she starts to transform and crumble into that little nine-year-old heap. And I can see her pink bathing suit. I can see her plaid stretch pants. And as the adult in the situation, it is my job to go and sit with her and put my arm around her. And I ask her a question. Short of crashing the plane, because we're not going to do that, what do you need from me? And when I ask her that question, she tells me pure and simple. She says, lady, if I'm going to go back in to that dance studio, I need to know there is nothing wrong with me. And I need to believe it. And if I'm going to go back in, I need you to hold my hand. And if I'm going to go back in, I need you to have my back if I get hurt like that again. So that's a personal, internal conversation. And the, and the bottom line is I need to know there's nothing wrong with me. And look, that's not saying I need to know that I'm not sinful, but it's saying I need to know that I can, I can make it there. I need to know that I'm not going to be uh, uh, an utter humiliation to myself again. And we need that reassurance inside of ourselves to, to begin to step beyond self-sabotage. And Jonathan, the scriptures in a powerful, powerful way give us that exact tool. Just, this is very exciting to me. So, so the, the, the self-sabotage problem here is if I pretend to be balanced, I'll look and feel good and that's all I need. What's the solution for that pretending? Honesty with yourself and with others as how we look is not what we necessarily are. Again, realize that God honestly knows your frame and called you anyway. God knows how broken you are. He knew before he called you. As a matter of fact, he examined your brokenness and said, oh, this broken one I can use because I can see the potential in this broken one. Jonathan, go ahead. And Rick, a practical example, testimonies. When you testify before your brethren, you're laying your heart out honestly saying, I need prayers because I'm messing up here or there and I'm working on it. And if anyone has any suggestions and help, you know, I'm not this perfect Christian. I fall. I need your help to be lifted up. That's really what this sounds like to me. And and, and I think that's a really good practical application of all of this. Honesty with yourself and with others. Uh, You know, some of our deeper difficulties we may not feel comfortable talking to a congregation about, but we can certainly find a brother or sister who we are comfortable with, that we can confide in, that we can look to to help encourage us. And now look, when you look for that person, don't look for the one who's going to just pat you on the back and say, oh, you're okay. Look for the individual in Christ who's going to say, What are the steps to take so you can cope with this better spiritually? How can you grow spiritually through all of this? Don't look look for the one who's just going to make you feel better like saying, oh, it's okay, everybody has that problem. No, 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 that's that's not growth. That's not potential. That's not what God wants from us. We've got to look to be able to build each other up in the most holy faith, not keep keep each other uh, um, uh, happily miserable in the most holy faith. Big difference between the two. (laughs) Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, our transformation 
Okay, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. Our transformation is by God's grace and spirit and the spirit renewing of our minds. It opens the door to our ability to understand who we are and what we can become. And Jonathan, that's part of what God wants us to understand. You know, the scripture in the the Psalms says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Things that I'm I'm not even sure about. Help me understand them and overcome them. We can't overcome something that we don't know about. So the idea is to know, to see it through the eyes of God, through Jesus, through the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, and be able to walk forward as a result of that. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this, Jonathan. The next verses we're going to talk about, we're after the, oh, wretched man that I am verses. Who will set me free from this body of death? I mean, Paul is sounding exasperated in those verses. The very next verses are Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Listen to the solution in these verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So right after saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? The next phrase is, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So what he's saying is, as wretched as we are, we have been forgiven. We have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, we are not under condemnation any longer. Paul is saying we have the opportunity to claim balance in our lives for the first time. And not because we're so great but because Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is so great. Next, uh, verses three through, what, four? Three, three to four, yes. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Okay. He, um, that the requirement, Jesus came as a sacrifice, that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled in us. See, Jonathan, that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. There is this, this forgiveness and this lifting up out of the wretchedness. Now look, it doesn't mean you're still not, not going to ha- still have the struggle. The struggle continues, but it's okay to struggle. What's not okay is to be comfortable in the self-sabotage of the struggle. What is okay is to say, pretending is no longer acceptable. I will now be real and be honest. God already knows, so why shouldn't I be honest? He's, he's being honest with me. And we need to believe the forgiveness, Rick. You know, I'm glad you said that because it's such a simple little statement. We need to believe the forgiveness. That might be one of the hardest things for us to actually learn to do and to master. How do I believe in the forgiveness? And the, the, the idea of belief, and I'm going to run over on this, but just bear with me. Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish and he was, was, was looking over his life and he said, they that cling to, their, to their, um, their sinful minds forsake the mercy of God. It's like when you pay attention and holding on to one thing, you can't hold on to something else. We don't believe in forgiveness because we're holding on to our sins. We've got to be able to let them go. So 
God really does choose to see the very best in us. He really sees us as balanced, thanks to Jesus. So let me guess, once we focus on balance, then that leads us to more self-sabotage. If we asked Rick, Jonathan, and the CQ Contribution team to answer our topical questions in five minutes or less, rather than in several chapters over 90 minutes, they'd probably get a little stressed out. Plus, they love painting that bigger picture by looking at several real-world media perspectives, historical facts, and scripture. That's why some answers may come quickly, but we love taking a look at the bigger questions that aren't so easy. So, Jonathan, you're absolutely right. There are more tools. The further we go with this whole idea of managing our self-sabotaging tendencies, the better off we are as the whole self-sabotage thing never quits. Our best approach in the matter is to be so well-equipped that the best sabotage efforts will pale in relation to our anti-sabotage preparations. And, and Jonathan, it takes a lot to do that. It takes a lot to put you in the position where you are ready to combat it. And, and that's why we went through all of these, these, these steps and all of these things. And we're going to start to review those in just a moment. But let's get to the last of the six reasons we self-sabotage. And again, this is Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. And she actually calls this reason number seven. She made a mistake on that. It's reason number six. Um, but it, uh, it's just as important as the rest. And it's an interesting reason. Let's listen. And reason number seven, sheer boredom. Once in a while, we self-sabotage simply to push buttons. We pick a fight, cause drama, get a rush. And of course, this isn't random. We do all things for a reason. But here, sabotage recreates a familiar feeling of instability and chaos. Plus, if we're stuck at the bottom, we might as well wield some power while we're there, right? Right. <laughs> if you're stuck at the bottom, why not have some fun with it? You know, I guess so. And it's really kind of kind of too bad. So now we're getting to the sixth chapter title from the book, Seven Choices for Success and Significance. And uh, again, all we're using are chapter titles to, to get the point across that we can change things if we take them step at a time. So what's chapter six title? Well, Rick, it's Choose to be Positive. Now, you can go to a thousand self-help gurus and a thousand self-help gurus are going to tell you, you got to choose to be positive. You got to be positive. You got to look at life through positive eyes. You got to put on rose-colored glasses. You got to do this. You got to put negative thoughts out of your mind. You got to be positive. And, and you know, that is, uh, that's probably one of the most overstated statements, which is a good statement, incidentally. It is. It is. It's so overstated because it needs context. The thing is, this choice can become genuine, the choice to be positive, only when we've put the previous steps in order. Being at this point is a true victory against constant self-sabotage tendencies. So only when we have put what in order? Well, the seven chapters. First chapter, choose transformational patterns. The second one, choose energy management over time management. You know, look, look, we all don't have the same amount of energy. So what? Manage the energy that you have. The third point, choose to give. You know, this puts us in a better position. And when you're giving, you're not thinking about yourself so much. The fourth point, choose to be authentic, to be true to yourself and true to others. The fifth, choose to live life in balance. And now choose to be positive. Being positive is built on those other things. But Rick, there's a warning that, that hits me when I hear this. And that's being careful of pride right. when you're right. positively thinking. 
Right. Because <laughs> you may look and think it's you that are now doing it yourself without God Almighty and our Lord Jesus helping you through it. Right. And, and you do have to be careful of pride. But I would submit to you that if you are taking those previous chapters in, in line and the transformational patterns and managing energy and giving and authenticity, pride doesn't do well giving. Pride does not do well when we are authentic. Pride does not do well with a life that is balanced, spiritually balanced. Pride cannot breathe with those things happening. So you're right. There's that danger, and that's why all of these things are so important. It can't be, oh, just be positive. It's got to be positive built on a strong, strong foundation. So very important point there. Thank you. So what's the self-sabotage issue with choosing to be positive? I have the opportunity to be positive, and I want to be positive, but the possibility of failure looms too large. I want to be positive, but I know it's not going to work. You know, you know who that reminds me of? Eeyore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woe is me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do that voice a lot better than I can. Trust me. <laughs> Woe is me. <laughs> you know, that, that, that idea that no matter what happens, it's all going to fall apart anyway. And we just have to, we worry too much. And we've got to allow the, 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 the presence of Jesus in our lives to change that. Matthew 6, 28 to 30. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus is giving us a very clear, simple message. God has got you in his hand. Trust that above and beyond your own conclusions. Trust that. No matter who we are, life brings challenges to us, and challenges typically bring worry and doubt, and worry and doubt bring the temptation for self-sabotage. It's just the way it all works. It works together so beautifully like this, this big negative symphony to draw us down and away from God through Christ. So we need the solution for, okay, I've, I want to be positive, and I know the opportunity is there to be positive, but I just know that I, it's, too, it's too easy to, failure, to, to fail. So what's the solution? Reset your mind on things above. Now, Rick, it's not just setting your mind. We need to reset it every day. How? Prayer, praise, and appreciation. Repeat blessings. Okay. Prayer, praise, appreciation. You know, go over. You know, we are so good at repeating our failures to ourselves. Oh, we do. Why don't we repeat wow. the, our blessings with the same tenacity that we repeat our failures? What a great idea. We should put a sticky note on the fridge. Little spiritual post-it note right there. Repeat your blessings. Repeat your blessings. You know, you know that, that hymn, Count Your Blessings, Name Them oh, One yes. by One? What a powerfully profound idea. Name them one by one. Take your time <laughs> because they're full of goodness. And again, a verse that we quote all the time on, on this, this podcast, Philippians 4, 6 to 8, helps to put this all in perspective. How do we do this? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. See, that last line, all of the rest of the verse is really powerful, powerful, powerful in terms of setting our minds straight. But the last line helps us to understand that's the gateway, the gateway of what, how our minds ought to work. If there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, well, then dwell on it. That's a good thing. If it's excellent, if it's worthy of praise, excellency in the sight of God, worthy of praise toward God, think on these things. And Jonathan, that will help to undermine the self-sabotage tendencies of, of just letting the, the sense of failure override us. When we start to, to change, consciously change what we're going to think about. Again, spiritual sticky notes right in front of your face. What am I going to change? What am I going to think about? It takes a lot of work, but that puts things in a perspective that we can actually begin to make progress. So uh, just as God had commanded Israel, remember we talked about that in the previous couple of segments, we should also carry his grace and will with us at all times. Uh, and, and again, however you do that, do that. And you can use literal sticky notes as, as a place to start. You know, uh, there, was, there, was a, there was a long period of time that I carried a little stone in my pocket. It was a really, really shiny stone, and it was called a gratitude stone. And every time I'd reach for my keys, I'd feel the stone, and I'd remember, oh, I have to give thanks. And it's a powerful tool. Little things, Jonathan, can help us to, to avoid that self, self-sabotage by raising our thinking to a higher level. So now let's get down to our final chapter title from the book, Seven Choices for Success and Significance. The last title was Choose to be Positive. What's the last uh, chapter that we're going to be talking about here? Choose to be a risk taker. Okay. Choose to be a risk taker. You think, wait a minute. Boy, isn't that ripe for self-sabotage? Because isn't (laughs) taking risks just going to be able to prove that I can't? Well, it could. It could easily be ripe for self-sabotage. But if, it's, if our risk-taking, again, is built on the previous seven chapter titles, choosing transformative patterns, choosing energy management over time management, choosing to give, to be authentic, to live life in balance, uh, choosing to be positive, if the risk-taking is in the context of those things, then it defies self-sabotage. It defies it. Jonathan, I want to read a quick little story. It's about a one to two minute story from the book that we've been referring to so often, Seven Choices for Success and Significance. It's a story of the koi fish. My father died when I was six years of age. If I had the power to change one thing in my life, I would have much rather had a dad to read me a book, sing me a song, throw me a ball, take me to the circus, or talk with me man to man. But that was not my fate. I learned that out of adversity often emerges abundance. Abundance. What does that mean in life? It's a concept best illustrated by the koi fish. If you put a koi fish in a fishbowl and give it food and water, it never grows to more than two inches in size. But if you put it in a pond, it grows to a foot in size. The koi fish grows proportionately to the environment in which it lives. Think about it. When the koi fish is in the fishbowl, somebody is giving it food and water. It has no demands placed upon it. It has no adversity. It is in a comfort zone. It is content. The moment you take the koi fish out of the fishbowl and put it in a pond, 
The water is deeper and colder. It takes more for the koi fish just to survive. By necessity, it has to grow bigger and stronger so it can deal with its environment. Jonathan, we cannot live our Christian lives in a fishbowl. We need to grow because the Lord saw potential in us. Yes, we need to grow. We need to be put out into the pond where there are difficulties, where there are challenges, where there are causes for us to stretch ourselves so that God can find, not find, but God can teach us how to get closer to our own potential because he calls us because we have that potential. So the self-sabotage here in choosing to be a risk taker is what? What's the problem? We must be always conservative so as not to disappoint God. And in so doing, we miss our greatest opportunities. You know, the idea, oftentimes we look at our Christianity and say, well, I can't take a chance. I can't do that. I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to fail before God, for goodness sakes. I can't, can't take a chance on failing, so I'm not going to do that because I might fail. I'm not going to do this because I might fail. I'm going to do it this way rather than that way because I might fail. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's not what God called us for. And you say, well, okay, you're, you're making me nervous. Well, Let's go to one of the parables of Jesus to illustrate the point. The parable of the pounds. Remember, they're all given a pound, and some go out, uh, and, and the master leaves, and some go out, and they invest it wisely and come back with all kinds of different returns. And then you have the one, and in, in this translation it's called a mina, who, who gets the, the pound or the mina, gives it back to the Lord because you know he was really concerned about m- making sure there would be no risk. Let's hear what happens. Luke 19, 20 to 23. Another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept, put away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank, and having come, I would have collected it with interest. You needed to do something. That's the message. And the master was not happy with the one who was so conservative that he did nothing out of fear of failure. We have to face that and realize that we are, if you're a footstep follower of Jesus, you are required to step out of your fishbowl. Okay, you're required to be out in the pond. So what's the solution for that always being conservative and not trying to do anything for fear of failure? Well, Rick, take spiritually minded steps in faith so that God's blessing is with those who truly seek him. Okay, take spiritually minded steps. We're not suggesting risk taking from a standpoint of just doing something risky so you can say I did it spiritually minded steps in faith that God's blessing is with those who truly seek him. And and Jonathan, so that's taking a risk in a spiritually sound and mature way. Romans 8, if we put ourselves in that position of taking those spiritual risks, of getting out of the fishbowl into the pond, Romans 8, 35 to 39, gives us a sense of what can be. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it's step up and step out in God's grace. Rick, why should we work on this so hard? Because these steps will help all the followers of Christ be more than overcomers. So we can help Jesus bless all the families of the earth in God's kingdom. What a privilege. And, and, you know, that's the whole point of being a footstep follower of Christ. It's not just so you can, 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 can follow after him now. It's for the purpose of eternity. Look, Jesus came and gave his life for the purpose of eternity. He calls us to follow him for the same purpose, the purpose of eternity, for the eternal good of the entire world of mankind. But, Jonathan, we cannot, we cannot positively contribute to eternity if we spend our every day in self-sabotage. We disallow our potential by heading it off at the pass when we sabotage ourselves. Folks, we have to be so careful to understand how important it is to see this, to, to, to identify it, and to understand the, all of the steps needed. And again, I want to remind you, we're, we're just about out of time here. Seek your Rewind, the full edition. Please, please, please give it a try because a program like this, a podcast like this can be transformative for you, for your every day. If you take it and you have those steps right in front of you and you can watch it and say, okay, how am I choosing transformative patterns in my life? How am I choosing to manage my energy rather than trying to manage my time? Because I, you know what? I can't be like everybody else. I am who I am. How can I do all the rest of those steps? Folks, the answer here is that there is goodness. There is blessing on the side if we fight that fight of that wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus will if you let him follow the steps and become a mature, strong follower of Christ. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed talking to you. Be back again next week with another subject. But till then, defeat your worst enemy. That's you. And remember, folks, we love hearing from you, our listeners. Let us know what you thought about today's topic. Suggest future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. And again, we look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. <laughs>